0: Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Okay, great. Well, I hope everybody's doing good. Um, uh, just happy Father's Day. Yeah, so excited to be here. Thanks for spending your Sunday night with us here at Cedar House Church. Um on a holiday, on a Sunday night, you never really know who, who's going to show up or, or what it's going to look like, so it's always fun just to see who's who's here. So so glad that you've chosen to be here tonight, really excited about um, what God is doing, excited about the message on my heart, but I thought I'd start off with the most important part of the sermon, which is dad. some, some dad jokes. Can't have a good Father's Day without some good dad jokes, right? Are you with me? The purpose of dad jokes is that they're not funny, but these are kind of funny to me. But I'm a dad, so I've lost all sense of what's cool or funny. Uh, So studies show that overweight women live longer than the husband who told them about their weight problem. (laughs) The men are not laughing. Others kind of slowly going down into their seat. You can tell what was the best year of your father's life because they seem to freeze that clothing style and ride it out. That's funny. I gave my father $100 and said, buy yourself something that will make your life easier. So he went out and bought a present from my mother. Sometimes, this is me, Sometimes I'm amazed that my dad was able to create human beings from scratch, yet struggles to assemble the most basic IKEA cabinet. Oh, that's funny. Well, awesome. Well, I just, um, again, so excited for everyone to be here. Uh, I I do have something that has been on my heart. Um, This uh, this issue of fathering has been something that's just been in my life um, for quite some time. So I wanted to kind of the the perspective of today's message around the topic of learning to father everyone around you. Um, It doesn't matter if you have kids or you don't have kids or how much influence that you have. If you are a male, you can father people around you. And learning how to father a city and learn how to father people in your environment is just very, very important. So that's kind of the lens of which I'm kind of looking at today through. So the entire Christian life is based on this foundation that God is a Father. Uh, Here at Cedar House, our number one core value is that God is a good, loving Father. So we we have the Trinity, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're all very, very important. Uh, But Jesus came to reveal to us the Father. Jesus' main goal and aim boiled down into one point was to reveal to us the Father. And so... And when if you keep hanging around Jesus long enough, what he does is he puts the attention on the Father. He 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 shows you truth. He shows you revelation to get to the Father. It never just sits on him. And then Jesus tells us in the Book of John that the Holy Spirit would continue doing what he what Jesus had been doing, and then he would also remind us of the things Jesus was doing. What was Jesus doing? He was showing us the Father. It's just the job description of the Holy Spirit and and for Jesus to reveal to us the Father. The entire narrative of the Christian life is that God is a Father, and it's also probably the most misunderstood as well. It has the most pain around it because of our natural perspective of what a Father is. Whether you had a bad situation, movies, society, we get our perspective of who we think God the Father is, from our natural form of a father. But God's not like that. He's very different. So this may be new news to some of you, but God is in a good mood, and God is not mad. God knew the plan. Your mistakes don't scare him. He's not threatened by your unbelief. He is not out to get you. He's not a police officer in the sky. That's not what Jesus modeled at all. He modeled a kind, loving father. And something happens to you when you shift your heart's posture to knowing him as a father, not just as God. Not as a sovereign God, but you learn him as a father. Jesus said, called him Abba, Father. The word is Daddy God. Jesus, ref- it's actually Dada. But I feel like I lose the crowd too much when I say Dada. Now, he, he literally went around saying, calling him Daddy. He had that type of childlike connection with the Father. And so it's his kindness that leads to repentance. See, we, we, we're okay with Holy Spirit. We're okay with Jesus. When it gets down to God the Father, we're kind of uncomfortable with that. Most of us, unless you've been through some sozo, you've kind of probably gotten that taken care of. <clears throat> but what happens is we're, we have this fear around him being a father, fear around him being a dad. And the privilege and the honor of the Christian life is to move into sonship or being a daughter and knowing him as a father. And everything changes when you know God as a father. A hundred percent everything changes. I can watch certain Christians and I can see them shift from he's God into he's a father. There's a rest that comes with it. There's a peace that comes with it of knowing that he's got me and he's got me because he's a dad, and he's a really good father. So everything we do is based on the central subject of God being a father. So as I mentioned, everything shifts when you know him as a dad, when you know him as a father versus just Jesus or versus just him being a God. So I'm gonna share with you a little bit of my journey of um, of going from what I wanna call orphan behavior into knowing him as a father. Because if if you don't what you view him like is how you manifest yourself to everyone around you. So if you with the way you see him as a dad is how you behave and that's how you father everyone around you. So it's hard to father someone if you don't know what it's like to be fathered. Can I get amen? So learning to shift your perspective to know what he's like is just very, very important. So um, about 12 years ago, I was at a conference, and I got prophesied over by Sean Bowles. Anybody know who Sean Bowles is? Raise your hand if you know Sean Bowles. Okay. So it's fun. I used to tell people I got this prophetic word, and they're just like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, this guy's like really prophetic. And now he's really well-known and famous, and so I'm like, that, that's the guy. He, He's the one who gave me the word, you see? Um, not that it makes it more important. It's just fun. Um... Anyway, he's just a really prophetic guy definitely an influencer in our stream uh, definitely an influencer in our community So anyway, the small group of people he called me out. And he prophesied over me. I was in college I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I, I, I Was so aimless when I was in college high school. I mean, I literally just Tossed by the wind had no foundation. Nothing was built on a rock at all it may have appeared that way on the outside. I'll tell people that. They're like, really? You always felt like you were really astute knew what you were doing. I'm like, dude, it was a mess going on in here. You to know what I'm talking about? So he promised that to He said, um, we've talked about this a lot in the school, but for those of you who don't know, he said, um, he said I, I see you doing business and church, and somehow it eventually lead into politics or government. Business and church, he said, looks like this type of networking thing is what I see. <clears throat> so for those of you are close to me know that the business and, and obviously the church thing is is starting to form, and most likely the government thing will eventually happen, um, or if we're really going to believe in prophecy, uh, it's going to happen to some extent or whatever that looks like. But at the time, it was so over my head. I had no idea what he was talking about. I, I literally couldn't tell you what a Republican or Democrat was at like twenty two years old, not kidding. I mean I did I knew nothing. I didn't care. I'm not even overly passionate about it right now. I just know that it'll come in time. The way I've kind of watched my prophetic words work is it's going to happen because God said it would happen. And I don't I just need to stay ready. Amen. When you get a prophetic word and it doesn't make sense, don't just throw it away. Let it be an anchor or some type of guidepost. So, if it's a word that really stuck out to you, just every time you hear that word or see that color, whatever it is, just pay attention. Let the let the light go off. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. Remember that dream I had or that prophetic word I had. So, I'd left that night. I just thought, okay, I have no idea what's going on. Um, That'll be fun to see what God does. So, fast forward a couple more years. Stacy and I moved to Seattle. Most of you know our story. We, I'm born and raised here. We moved to Seattle. Started doing a bunch of ministry stuff out there for. We were out there for four and a half years, and um, in that time, that was right around the time when Bethel Church in Redding, California, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a church out there is just really influential um, to to this body and to Stacy and I. It was right when revival really was like kind of hitting. It's just miracle signs and wonders, the presence of God was happening. It was just like, and we found out about it. It was like this secret before now the, the world has now heard about it. Um, so what we were doing at this, this group in Seattle, we were driving down to Reading as much as we could. It was an 11-hour drive, but we were young and hungry and it didn't matter. And just as much as I possibly could, I was down there as long as I could stay. I mean, just got to get more of that, whatever's going on there. You chase it till it chases you. So we just, we just kept going down there. So when we were in Seattle, I started a healing room. So a healing room is, there's actually, New Life actually does one. It's an association where you you can just, you don't have to be a part of the association. You can do whatever you want. But we we joined this association to pray for the sick. So they kind of have a structure. And the whole goal is for, we did it on a Monday night. And people would walk in and we would just pray for them. Pray and prophesy over them. The goal was, if you've got cancer, if you need healing, just come in and we'll pray for you. So we were just going for it. We started it the day that we started. It was on 11-1. It was November 1st. I remembered it. The, the The healing room we called it Healing Room 11-11, which was kind of cool. So uh, I remember. So we like planned this thing out. We had this like grand opening night. And um, but what happened about a month before is we realized there was a conference coming in Reading, but the conference fell that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So the only way we could get there, well, well, we had to make a strategic decision. We can push the healing room or cancel it and go the and, and then leave that Monday or we could just drive through the night. All right, so we were young and stupid, um, hungry, but stupid. Are you guys with me? Are you okay, okay. So we decided, all right, we're gonna do the healing room and then we're gonna drive through the night to Reading, and this is like through the mountain, this is not this is quite the drive, you got to be alert on, and uh, not to mention that Stacy was seven months pregnant with Hope we're like, yeah, this is a good idea, let's do it Um, guys don't do that so we drive down there and uh, the, the next day, the way these conferences work, they have like these breakout sessions and you can kind of pick your topic, most of you have probably been to a conference and seen how that works but they had something going on that wasn't a part of the conference. It was just for the local members, and I really felt like I should maybe go to it. So I saw this little flyer and it said "God and Government," and I was like, "Man, I really want to be in the in the main sanctuary." But you know, I really felt my heart tugging to go to this thing. And the other option was just to stay home and take a nap. So I decided to go to. Uh, this God and government thing. So I walk in and I I literally don't remember anything the woman said, not from a Holy Spirit moment. Like I was so tired. I don't remember anything she said. And I'm, uh, because I do public speaking, I try really hard to, um, I know what's encouraging as a speaker, the way someone looks in the crowd. So I really try to do that for the speaker to look attentive and like, yeah, this is great. Keep going. You're doing an awesome job, you know. I'm like falling asleep in the middle of this room. And I'm just like, gosh, this is so dishonoring. Um, I'm not doing a good job. And so this woman, she's leading this thing. She comes up to me. Her name is Melissa Davis. She's with Jesus Culture Sacramento now. And she said, you, uh, you have a governmental call in your life. She was running this whole thing for Bethel. She said, you have a governmental call in your life. I'd love for you to come visit me in D.C. and see what we're doing. I'm like, okay, great. That sounds awesome, you know? So I'm like, delirious. Is this really happening? Cool moment. Man, this is great. Sean Bull's word five years earlier. All this is going on in my head. So now fast forward like two years later. um, I'm sorry, don't fast forward two years later. A couple months later, we start flying to D.C., start getting really involved there. So their whole mission was, uh, Bethel's mission was to, basically have like a house there in D.C. to just start getting in the governmental arena, mainly just to pray. No agenda, just to pray. So we visited three or four times, really had a good connection with the leaders. It was an awesome time. So Melissa told me, she said, okay, if you're really going to get this involved, I want to set you up with some of the leaders of Reading. I'm like, that's great. I would love to do that. So so now she, the next conference I go to, she sets up like four different meetings With different leaders of the church and it was really cool I was I don't know eight years ago nine years ago it was really neat just to meet some of these fathers that I would just consider fathers. so anyway she sets up this meeting Uh, I got to have a long coffee time with a guy named Danny silk and that was really really cool and I, I, I don't really share that much I don't know I don't know. It was just an awesome moment. I just i took in, I, I, I took a lot from that meeting, which is what I'm about to express. So we sit down, and I, I'm in this place. I say all that to say I'm in this place where I've got favor. I'm desired. Things are happening, moving and shaking. Um, I just want to raise the dead. I want to heal the sick. I want to see souls get saved. This is my mentality. So anyone I'm meeting with, that's what I'm thinking like how can I have more anointing to see the dead raised? Or how, 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 how can we save 10,000 people? Or how do we see a city transformed? So I'm in this meeting with him, and those were the questions that I was going to ask him. And so he, he says to me, let, let me back up. Sorry, I'm not the best storyteller. He says, uh, Danny Silk's like a, he's a relational guy. He's definitely kind of a father of the house. He does a lot with the school along the lines of parenting, relationships, emotional health, those kind of things. Very, very influential in my life. And so uh, we sit down, and he just starts asking me good questions. Now, this is something that he actually teaches, which is to, when you don't know what to do, just ask good questions. Or when you're trying to get to know someone, ask good questions, which I now do that. I try my best to. So my mindset is, let's raise the debt. And so he, he starts asking me these questions like this. Who are you in covenant with? Who are you serving? Who are you covering? Why isn't your wife here with you? He's, he's asking me these, these questions. What, what he's saying to me is, if you want to establish longevity in your life, these are the things that I'm that he's looking for. And I left this meeting thinking I, I am a complete orphan and have I am running around crazy. I got I got to have a moment with with a father figure and I realized I have such orphan self absorbed behavior. I'm only looking out for myself and I want to accomplish something. So I can feel a sense of achievement, so I feel self worth. And all of this was coming from a place where I thought was good. I thought that God wanted me to do a bunch of things for him. And I thought the best that I knew the best that I knew was that it was a good thing. And Danny just slapped me upside the face. (laughs) In such a fatherly way let me know, you are failing, son. And you need no, I'm kidding, he didn't say that the funny thing is is he he was just i think he was just trying to get to know me and the holy spirit just hit me so hard of like did you see what he paid attention to didn't ask me any questions about anything that i thought was cool very much on just the relationship so what what i had realized through that journey when i started realizing how much of my orphan behavior and how much i didn't see God as a father is that i didn't father anyone around me I no one around I was not covering anyone intentionally and I was leaving people exposed and throughout that journey there are three main topics subjects that I feel like God has been working on me with and I want to share those three things with you that sound good before I before I do that I want to say one thing the the enemy slash society is, I'm going to say society, because I don't like giving the enemy the credit, is trying really hard to bring confusion amongst men and women and the roles of men and women. And it's it's really important, men. I'm shifting now. I'm talking to you guys. It's really important that we take up the space and the responsibility that we're supposed to take up. When I talk about a man being bigger, I'm not talking about oppressing women. When I talk about promoting women, I'm not saying put down men. There, there's a role, there's a relationship there, don't have time to go into. All I know that is, most issues come from men hiding instead of taking up their position they're supposed to be in. So guys, this is not, you do have a choice, but the shift is to start thinking of taking responsibility as being a man. Um, Melissa said it at the beginning, It this isn't in a weighty way, but it is in a responsible way. As men, we need to take up the responsibility of being who we're supposed to be. Amen? Okay. So the first thing that um, I feel like um, God has been working with me on for a long time is that one of the things that fathers do is they promote. So fathers promote, they don't suppress. Jesus perfectly represented the Father and when the way Jesus behaved he's modeling the heart of the father and Jesus was trying to instill values and promotion to everyone around him all the time Jesus said things like this you're going to do greater things than me he's he wants the people around him to go further than he went Jesus said i'm preparing a place for you he he he's so secure in his position that he wasn't trying to keep us down so he had better access to the Father. He was so secure in his position, modeling the heart of the Father. He didn't need to suppress us, so he had something we didn't. He he gave freely everything to us. In the book of John, he says, Father, I pray that they have the connection that you and I have. So he's modeling the heart of the Father, that, that they would connect the same way that we connect. Jesus so selfishly was promoting everyone around us. Just put that tangibly with your own kids. Everyone wants their kids to do better than they did. If not, we have an inner healing ministry. Um, The desire of every parent is that they go further than you went. Uh, For Stacy and I, we have four kids. And we'll kind of end the night and we lay down or it's like our our concern is not so much honestly that our kids are going to like be on drugs on the side of the road it's more like will they surpass us well, our our intention is that they go further than us we look at each other like are we doing okay and what that means is you know are we are we promoting them putting virtues in them so that they'll be successful as successful as, as we want them to be and that's the heart of every father fathers promote they don't snuff out. So what does this look like for everyone around you? Every, everyone around you, you think about it like this. Fathers don't compete, they promote. When someone around you gets a gets um, increase, when someone around you gets breakthrough, if your heart jumps to that's inspiring or I want to celebrate them, that's the heart of a father. If it turns to jealousy and, and disconnect, that's not functioning like a father. You should want everyone around you to be more successful than you. Listen, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just the way the heaven's economy works. If you're successful, if I if I live my life serving you for you to be successful, it comes back to me. Jesus is modeling this for serving everyone around him. So the first thing, guys, that we're supposed to do is promote everyone around us. We never suppress. We never leverage ourselves to suppress someone else. It's always promoting. Can I get an amen? Okay. Uh, Number two is to protect. This one means a lot to me. So obviously I believe in physical protection, but I'm not talking about that one right now. Um, Again, Jesus modeled the heart of the Father. And there's this moment where a prostitute gets caught in the act of adultery and thrown at the feet of Jesus. Everyone know this story? The, The amount of poor decisions and situations that this woman had put herself into to sell her body like that, we would think that she deserves to be exposed. Like she deserves something bad, that's the natural way of thinking. And so they find her and they want to expose her. The fathers protect, they don't expose. So this type of behavior goes and grabs the woman and throws her at the feet of Jesus, to expose her. Let's think about that. The religious-minded people, to feel more clean and close to God, go find a problem in someone's life, make it public, and bring it before God so they feel clean. Did you get that? Okay. Jesus, in a moment, to show himself powerful, chooses to cover and protect this woman. Jesus modeled the heart of a father. This was a father-daughter moment, and he protected the woman who deserved to legally at that time be stoned. That is the heart of a father. He's protecting her, not exposing her. Can you imagine being a part of that moment? Just absolutely amazing that that's God's response to someone who's made poor decisions, obviously a very broken situation, to protect her, not expose her. I'm put that kind of practically into my own life. We, we had friends over like a month ago. We're still hanging out um, in the kitchen and people are outside. And Penelope's my third daughter. Um, I have all four girls. And she, she comes in, and she kind of stops and looks at me. And the way she kind of stopped and looked at me, uh, every it was just kind of noticeable, and everyone in the room kind of looked at her. And I saw the way she looked at me, and she had the look that, like, a, the nonverbal look of parent and daughter, father-daughter moment, like I just pooped my pants. <laughs> and she's, she's at an age where she's picking up that's not something that's supposed to be celebrated around a bunch of people. And she's at an age where she can tell people are looking at me when I'm talking. Like she's figuring out perception, right? And she looks at me and I said I said out loud in front of a couple of people, I said, did you poo-poo your pants? And she kind of went downtrod and she kind of walked over to me. And I literally said out loud in front of people, I said, I just exposed you, didn't I? So I I know that's my. She's not going to need Sozo for that moment. Thank you, God. Um, But my point is, what a father's heart is. uh, She, she, I knew there was a problem, and all I needed to do was take her in the back, clean her, clean her when no one's looking, don't expose, protect her in that moment, and let her be. You with me? Fathers protect everyone around them, all of the time. So how do we do this to everyone around us? How do we father everyone around you? I'll tell you one way not to do it is gossip. Gossip is taking your lot and throwing it at the person who you want to be exposed. Protecting people. Let's protect people in bad seasons. Let's protect people when they're not behaving how they're supposed to behave. See, a father sits on the gold on someone's life, not looking to expose, I'm looking to protect, I'm looking to point out the good and sit on that. You with me? That's that's a big deal. I, when I found out, and this just my personality, when I found out that it was a really high Christian virtue to not judge someone but protect them, I was like, I really liked it. like, some. it was like, oh, we can pray for the sick. It was like a, a whole new world of, okay, so I don't show my holiness by judging. And I just, I saw it modeled and I was like, oh man, I love that so much. I love that I can protect someone when when the rest of religion's trying to expose them. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but what, what happens when the political spirit exposes. The political spirit is sly adjusts what it needs to gain favor with multiple sides. And so what the political spirit does is it wants to expose to gain favor with another side. You with me? And And, and in that shifty thing, we're not protecting anyone. So swallow a comment that could give you brownie points with someone else if it's gonna expose someone. Amen? When in doubt, if you're thinking you're protecting or not, just stop talking. That'll always do good. Okay, and the final one um, is provide. Fathers provide. Um, The provision of God is... Such a big deal to me. In my transformation of coming out of orphan behavior, I'm obviously still in my process, but from where I've come right now, this is the number one way that I've learned God as a father is through provision. So God has unlimited resources for us, and that's not a theory. That's 100% true. Jesus never came across a problem and said there's not enough to fix this issue. Jesus never said, you're probably going to have to lower your dreams because there's just not enough. Jesus never thought in lack. In every situation, he had more than enough. Our Father has unlimited resources. I don't, I don't have time to go into this. I have multiple teachings on our podcast on this, but it, it is 100% true that you have access to everything that the Father has, and he has unlimited resources. I'm not saying he's a slot machine. I'm not saying you don't have to steward. But when you can shift your perspective into God has more than enough and he will provide, you start to dream. You start to think bigger. God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. It's very important. He's a father and he protects. He's a father and he has more than enough. So with our own kids, we... We work on our language a lot. Parents, I would encourage you to do this. We don't lie to them. We just say things like this. They want to buy something, and we'll say, we, we, we never say, we can't afford that. You will never hear that of me in Stacy's mouth. It may be true. We'll say something like this. We're choosing to put our money here. We are stewarding to get this. We're investing here not there's not enough why am i doing that i want my seven-year-old thinking my dad has more than i know i want nothing limiting her dreaming and her thought process why is that because when she's 25 she's going to be faced with some realities and she's going to have to choose is god my provider and i don't want her to have to her to go through so many lines of thinking of lack before she says yes to that are you with me Learning how to model unlimited resources for our children and for the children around us is so important, guys. I'm telling you, it's so important. Within that is stewardship. Within that is working hard. Within that is allowance. Just the language that we're using can't be lack. Amen? All right, so what does that look for everyone around us? When people get around you, if we're fathering people... They need to think, man. When I'm around you, I feel like there's just more opportunity. <laughs> I I dream bigger when I'm around you. It feels like things are more possible. Just think about it. If you, if a, if someone comes to you, some of you have probably had this happen. We get excited about something and we go share it with someone, and someone's like, "Yeah, probably not going to work." Okay, that's not it. Father's the first response is, "Let's go. Let's do it." Hey, nothing's impossible. Let's make it happen. People should, if we're fathering, they should feel as though they're dreaming bigger around us. Things are more possible and there's more resources because they're hanging around us. So the three things, promote, protect, and provide. And I'm going to close with this. Your first ministry, guys, is to our family, internal family your wife and your children. This is, it, it is so easy to dream outside of that unit. It is so easy to look for affirmation and identity outside that unit, but everything has to come through your wife and children. We can't dream outside of covenant. We, we can't afford to not think, and do all of our dreaming needs to be through our children and our spouses. A quote that I love is the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. A lot of us want a lot of influence and we want to have a lot of reach and we want to see great things happen. All of that's great. It cannot be dreamed outside of the family unit. Amen. And guys, we, we have to lead our families. This is, a, this is a problem amongst charismatic communities that I've noticed. We like, the women get excited when the Holy Spirit's around, and they get jazzed up, and they bring it into the house, and we kind of sit on the side. Is it just my life that I'm talking about? <laughs> Being a leader in your house modeling your children how to pray. Pray for them, read the word, prophesy over them, instill good things in them, be the leader. It's not going to happen if you don't take up the space and make it happen. Amen? So as a community, just fathering everyone around us all the time, taking up more space, God, God is looking for people that when God promotes you, more people will need you. Promotion in the kingdom is not less people will tug on you. It's more. God is looking for fathers that he can promote, that people will pull on the strength of their life. Amen? Promotion in the kingdom is not a vacation. Promotion in the kingdom doesn't mean you get more beach time. It's the exact opposite. You went from five mina to five cities. That guy was probably like, man, there's no vacation time in the middle of this is quite quite the new job I have here. <clears throat> but, but God put a father in a city like that so that everyone could pull on his strength. Amen? All right, when we stand up, we'll close out in prayer. Um we've asked some of the women that were in the school of ministry to be the prayer team tonight. And so guys, if you are if you would like a prophetic word, tonight's your night. Sound good? We also have beef jerky for all the guys. Beef jerky and coffee. Come on now. Isn't that strong? Three different variations of beef jerky as well. Um, it's all about abundance here we have more than enough so good All right. well we'll pray we'll close it out Father we thank you so much that you are a dad that you are a father that you're a good father and you do things really well thank you that you promote, protect and provide for us so well thank you for the identity that you put in us and the footing that you put us on you put us on a straight path so we love you. God, I pray as a, as a community that we would learn how to father one another and lead one another well. Pray for protection over our community and revival in this city. More resources to accomplish everything that you've put in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.